0: Hello, it's Evie here. Just to let you know, in this episode, we cover topics that include mental health and suicide. So if that's not for you, please feel free to turn off. Bye. Our world is dying, politicians
1: are lying, and just when you feel like crying, sit and have a listen to people who have shit themselves. Hi, I'm Claudia. I'm Evie. And we are the hosts of The Poodcast, and we are back for season two. Big up, I was about to say brap, and then I stopped myself. It's not
0: 2005.
1: I'm not going to say brap. Um, For those who don't know, The Poodcast is a podcast on a mission to learn about the lives of those living with bowel and bladder conditions, whilst sharing a shitty story or two along the way. And this week, our focus will be on being a performer with a disability. Evie, how's your bum, how's your tum? What's
0: cracking? Well, oh... It was going well until last night, um, okay. but this is because of my—you know how I get obsessed with food items. Like I go, I, like I went through the tuna mayo melt phase, then it was the sausage. We remember, yeah. Now I'm onto the milkshakes. Milkshake. So, um, yeah, it's been milkshake here, milkshake there, two, three a day sometimes. Some milkshake slag. I know, and it's bringing all the poo to the yard. Let me tell you that because it's—it's <laughs> it's not going down well, but I can't stop myself. So last night I um. We got a takeaway because it's Friday and there's fuck all else to do and it's dark. Sure. Um, And we got a Mars milkshake. And I then made, also on top of that, made my own milkshake with avocado and stuff in. That's not a milkshake with avocado. Babe, don't scoff at me. It is delicious. Oh my God. Half an avocado makes it creamy. Don't, don't look at me like that because I promise you it's fucking great. I bet you I could make you a milkshake and you wouldn't even know it had avocado in it. We're talking um, peanut butter, avocado, um, milk, honey, sometimes dates. And it's so sweet and thick and creamy. Uh, I was watching <laughs> Below Deck, obviously, and I like had a few sips. And it's kind of like, instead of just sipping it like you would a normal drink, it's sort of down all in one. And um, and by the end of it, I just turned to my boyfriend and I was like, I'm really not feeling well. I could hear his insides going. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just was on the toilet like for so long. Um, <gasps> but I just know it's, I'm not going to be able to stop can't stop i'm obsessed with milkshakes obsessed with i feel milkshakes. like this is happening though we
1: actually spoke about this literally on the last episode where i'm expecting you to then say you're not gonna do it again this thing that is making you no no I, I and then look, you just i've continue. got continue
0: yeah i've got the foresight to know i am gonna do it again i've not got enough sense to stop um you know But i'm not fucking idiot i'm not gonna be like oh i'm never gonna do that again of course i of course i am They're well, delicious you, you will not have my pity um so that was been a bit of a down on a more positive note. Um, I haven't worn an underwired bra in a year because of lockdown. Uh, and, I, <laughs> and I found them. <laughs> Literally found them under my bed and they, had <laughs> got souls. and they had cobwebs on them. And I mean, if that's <laughs> not a metaphor, I don't know what is. So um, I bought some new non-underwired bras because also since we spoke to Lottie and she said wearing non-underwired bras were making her stomach feel a bit better. Oh, and yeah, it's, re- yeah. it's really helping me out. So, you know, bad news, overload on dairy. Shitting myself, good news. You know, for your nice soft bra, yeah. What about you? How's your bum, tum, and everything else? Not good. I'm not feeling very well today. How not oh, I to no. you? Do? I don't know
1: what's... I don't want to, like, freak anything out. I'm feeling very tired, and all my muscles are hurting, mm. <laughs> which is not... Have you it's been not... anywhere,
0: though?
1: Well, you have to go into, into work. work. <laughs> <laughs> go into work oh, every yes. day. Yeah, okay, um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not feeling my best. I won't lie. Um, Well
0: we all feel ill all the time and it's not doesn't necessarily mean it might be you know coronavirus it's perfectly normal for you to have sore muscles Claudia.
1: I'm sure I'm sure it's not coronavirus Mm. I think but yeah so that's not that's not great um but other than that it's been it's been okay I've been spending a lot of time in the toilet this week though but not for me for this little boy that i work with has decided well you know a bit like you call it sometimes the poo palace and you like you find your haven oh i think he thinks that this is his throne and he will not come out of the toilet like i i don't want to force him because he he's not great at communicating and maybe that's what makes him feel better is to just get some alone time in the toilet and whatever but it's getting to the point that he's in there for 45 minutes like, at a, at a time, probably four or five times throughout the day. This is the gender poo
0: gap in action.
1: Yeah, I mean, classic, classic male privilege. Like, like him. But I can't get him off the toilet and to teach him any lessons. So I feel like he's it, it, actually hindering his learning process. It's
0: becoming a problem.
1: And the other day, I did not realise, but the head teacher was walking down the corridor and she said she just heard me going, no more poos for you today. Off we go. Pooing is finished for the day. Was and... she talking to you? Or... No, that was me talking to this child. <laughs> but it's like the one time she came in to inspect the class and that that's what I'm showing her and my capabilities Right, you as an must
0: not who anymore.
1: No more pooing. Pooing it and sometimes because you have to you have to let him know and explain everything fully. That's what I've been taught. And so I did. I explained to him that pooing is finished for the day.
0: I think he, we've all got to be told when our pooing is finished for the day. Uh,
1: well, I mean, I think by the sounds of previous conversations we've had about your boyfriend, I think he needs to be told sometimes as I've well tri- that pooing is finished for the day. I've tried. Can we get you in? Yeah, I'm actually really good at it. He he came off the toilet and he well he did look at me though and he went, Oh, mummy, I'm so sad. I thought, oh. if you think I'm your mum, then oh, then this has gone past <laughs> past our relationship you are in that place where you think that i'm actually supposed to really care for you and i've let you down by telling you that pooing is finished for the day
0: Oh, God. And, and how is work otherwise still a complete shit show or? um it's a bit
1: stressful right, it okay. is a bit stressful going in going in the tube is busy
0: yeah of course it is. um of course there it are people is. there
1: and i've been trying to walk into work every day but when it's absolutely pissing it down with rain i don't then want to get the uh, walk into work get to school be freezing cold school has to have all the windows open anyway because of covid so we're all freezing our tits mm-hmm. off anyway so if you get there you're wet and cold you then spend the day feeling wet and cold so i've been now uh, getting the tube to work and <laughs> just trying to avoid the hundreds of people that are on the victoria line so it's a joke, yeah it's been it? better it's definitely been better but okay. we're, we're we're laughing maybe we're, we can we're end it
0: end it on a bit of a high yeah place? okay
1: let me think of something that's a high to tell you yeah um okay okay it, it was really funny this week at school I prepared a really nice art lesson for for the children and it was to make crowns to be to be kings which I thought would be fun Lovely. um and one of my six-year-olds turned to me and he said I don't want to fucking do that <laughs> 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 and I said why not and he just goes because what's the point in 2021? And I was like, do you know what, sweetheart? Yeah, fair enough. So we didn't do it.
0: Oh, I like this child.
1: Yeah, I liked him. He just told me he didn't want to do it. And so we stopped. Because why bother? Love that. Love that. Permission to discuss condition.
0: This week, we are extremely honoured to have Gareth Berliner talk to us. Gareth is an actor, comedian, writer and mental health advocate who was diagnosed with Crohn's in 1984. Gareth has intestinal failure, or short gut syndrome, meaning he connects to nutritional fluid every day through a Hickman line in his chest, which I'd never heard of before, so I'm looking forward to learning about this. Uh, He identifies as a disabled performer, and he's had roles in Coronation Street, Doctor Who, and EastEnders. More recently, he has been playing the role of Parrot on Parrot and Pirate TV. Welcome, Gareth. How are your bum and tum?
2: My bum and tum? Uh... T- tum actually was probably a bit jippy in the last 24 hours, truth be told, which, which was unusual. And um, bum is all right. It's all right. Good. feeling all right at the moment.
0: That's the that way it is normally good. is. It's normally tum a bit iffy. Most people's bums tend to be on the straight and narrow. Uh, so
1: yeah, your know. tum's got to betray you first, yes. really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. it's, it's a trusting relationship that often has a breakup.
0: It's rare to get to get a bad bum without having a bad f- tum first. Yeah, you sort of have to have have the bad tum and then the bad bum comes. <laughs> We're just explaining this to you guys
1: no, this just is in fantastic. case you didn't know. You know this how, is, this is totally how, the, how this works? Yeah,
2: this is totally not the <laughs> afternoon conversation I was expecting, but that's why I love
0: it. <laughs> we apologise already. Um, so we've sort of said that our focus of this episode is going to be being a, um, a performer with a disability. Could you just tell us a little bit about? Um, your career and um, sort of where you're at now
2: um, in this in this life yeah, yeah. so uh, I suppose in terms of entertainment I did a little bit when I was younger and you know was interested in acting and drama and those kind of things life and health took me off that kind of route and then um I after uh, after going through a particularly bad period in my life i kind of discovered stand up or someone kind of introduced me and took me into that world and that was a job that meant i could kind of muster up my health for at least 20 minutes on stage uh, and i could drive if i felt unwell i could still drive generally so it just kind of fit into my life lifestyle at the time which was very unpredictable in terms of when I was feeling ill and when I was feeling good. Uh, but it was a job I could do anytime at, and an amazing job. So I fell into stand up and in pretty much similar fashion, although I'd wanted to act and, and sort of get telly or do some theater or something like that, that also was a happy accident that ended up in a part in Cory. So it's, it, my, my career has been quite gifted to me so far. <laughs> Uh, but that might be a little bit of imposter syndrome as well sneaking in. So, yeah, absolutely, totally,
0: and um, and sort of health wise, you mentioned health wise was was getting in the way. Yeah. What was your initial diagnosis? Where did when did those health problems sort of first rear their head? So
2: probably when I when I was about eleven, I had um, what used to be called a grumbling appendix, and then uh, I think I had my appendix taken out at about eleven. And unbeknownst to us, on the examination of my guts on that occasion, they had written signs of early Crohn's disease, but never told us.
1: Never told us. Never you. told
2: us. So about two That's years. so helpful. Yeah, yeah. So about two years later, I, I started, you know, getting really ill and malnourished. And, and everybody, uh, because I guess everybody walks around in a state of always, yeah, I'd like to think most people are optimistic. So everyone just told my parents, he's just losing his puppy fat. You know, but but meanwhile, losing my puppy fat was I looked like a really emaciated puppy. You know, um, which obviously some people are more comfortable with than others. And um, and then I got checked out, and you know, discovered I had Crohn's. That was about, and that was about eight, um, about eight four eight five, yeah.
0: And and how did things go from there? Did you start to feel better? Was medication working? Did it have no i had anyway?
2: some I had some madness because i was um I was covered by my dad's health insurance so uh, so private health insurance which on one level was great you know things happened quicker my diagnosis was like done in about a week you know because they wow. had access to the right machines a colonoscopy that kind of thing that was really quick um, but the disadvantage was my doctor at the time had never treated anyone with crohn's disease so he was kind of following He was kind of listening to stuff I was finding out from the the association at the time, the uh, National Association of Crimes and Colitis that existed. And when he put me on steroids, he put me on a dose that was 80 milligrams a day, which if if you know, or if if you don't know anything about steroids, like 80 milligrams is a pretty high dose, pretty stupidly high dose. So after like, so obviously I did all the typical things people do on steroids, like, got a moon face, got spottier, got fatter, you know, sweating a lot, et cetera, all the, all the crappy stuff that comes with being on steroids, moody, emotional, teary, all of that. But then I was getting these headaches, right, and they were insane. They really, you know, but in those days, I think I had undiagnosed health stuff going on, but a lot of things I think people often thought I was just being a hypochondriac whatever. Yeah. So I had these head, and I was saying to everyone, I got these headaches, feels like my head's, gonna explode like it's weird when it comes it feels like it's swelling and everyone thought I was being stupid and finally we went to my doctor and uh he said oh you know what that is and I said no and he said uh your your brain is swelling in your head (laughs) (laughs) I was like oh yeah that would be the brain swelling I was talking about to everyone
1: oh and is this the same doctor that you said you know had never treated somebody with brains before so did you feel like you, you know, you and your family, did you feel like you were able to have a kind of a, a confidence and a trust no, knowing know full it's well? It's a
2: weird thing, but I would say that was back in an era where we had, where, where we as a family still looked at doctors as gods, right? Mm. So with that in mind, back in those days, if if the doctor fucked up, that's terrible that he has, but at the same time, you don't think about... Maybe I can go to a panel and complain. Maybe I could sue. We were English and and British and and, and in England it's like, well, stiff up a lip, part with it, and that's a shame. Um, but the the doctor must have known what he was doing. He just kind of made a mistake. So we didn't I really liked him. I mean, I do look back now, and there is a little bit of anger that that, that happened, but I don't feel the pain of a swollen head anymore. I just remember this great doctor. Who looked after me?
0: Yeah. Uh, what What happened after the swelling? Like, did you have to go and reduce medication, or how? how did you oh, get yeah. Sorry. Yeah,
2: medicine? I should have said. Like, no. They, they <laughs> Are kept you me okay? On these medications, and my head blew up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, no, they reduced. They reduced the amount of steroids I was on slowly before I just came off them altogether. But I, I since that incident, I have never met anyone ever. Who has ever been on a dose at the level I was on? Ever.
0: And and you were young. How old were you? At this I point?
2: was 13, 13.
0: You're so young. Yeah. That's a yeah.
2: lot to
0: go through at an age like that. I mean, at yeah. any age,
1: but. And you're doing your sats.
2: It's really weird because the other element with the steroids and previously having been malnourished is that before we broke up for summer, the other kids would take the piss out of me, right? Because. I looked like I had AIDS or cancer because AIDS had just come in, right?
0: It was on track. Because
2: it was a bit like that. AIDS suddenly came out, you know? So AIDS had come in and Gareth must have it or he must have cancer. We go off for the summer. So I've done that and I've, you know, I can pull my trousers down immediately like with the tightest belt notch, like everyone takes a piss. And then I come back after the summer and I'm fat. And everyone's laughing about the fact piece. Do you know what I mean? So
1: it's really, like Chandler on Friends, you know, in between that series break. He was really, yes. really thin. And then when he came back and, yeah, yeah. and nobody spoke or about Or it. it
2: was like a whole new season, you know, where Gareth's funny and chubby and what a lovely personality.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Were they nice to you then when you came back a bit chubby? No, I
2: think I still cop. I copped some crap. But I, I'm the classic, in terms of a comedian, I'm the classic who, around about... 14, 15, anyway, started entertaining the the harder lot, the cooler lot at school. And yeah. so then just became part of that crowd as the token clown. So never really, I, I never really, like I, I suppose I got an element of bullying, bullying right at the end of, uh, right in primary school, just before I left, and then bullying right at the start of secondary school. And then that was it. Then I was just a funny guy. And he, and he gets to get out of PE. Yeah, like that, you know, yeah, so right. absolutely winning. Yeah. <laughs> winning at life, but not at rugby.
0: Yeah. yeah, but how many people win at rugby? Exactly. I don't. Yeah, st- even the I people see. that are good at rugby, I think ultimately
2: they're. It game. still feels still wrong to pass it. it backwards. It just yes. still feels wrong. <laughs> it
0: doesn't make what any st- sense. What a stupid fucking game it is. <laughs> <laughs> um. So you sort of mentioned about starting on the circuit as um, a stand-up comic and then sort of you move into um, acting. How did your health then impact those jobs? Was it something you really felt that you had to work around and let your employers know, just to let you know, I may be feeling ill this day? Or has it just been something that you can kind of quite easily slot into entertaining?
2: It's a really really weird one because I would say there are levels on which uh, I've picked up work I wouldn't have picked up you know, maybe doing a gig for Mind or someone like that, um, or, or the Nurses Nutrition Group or things like that, you know, private or corporate gig or whatever. There's another level on which I can't know, but then I wonder sometimes are some promoters, because I had a gig with them once that I had to cancel because I got ill, have they not rushed to choose me to book me again for another gig ahead? So you, never, you just never know. And, and any of my mates would go, well, no, maybe you just weren't fucking funny. Um, so, but that's Those good mates. Really nice. There's no, no one in comedy would go, yeah, you're right, Gareth. They might be the odd person that hasn't booked you because they're, you know, disabled and <laughs> they've got an issue and they just don't trust that, that you're reliable. Everyone would just go, no, he you, you, you probably doesn't think you're funny. <laughs> okay.
1: Such kind, kind friends. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Where there's no, there's, there's really not a lot of punches pulled amongst comedians. I think that's the, yeah. that's, that's one of the lovely things about it. It's what it's also can be on the wrong day. One of the hardest things about it, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. But is it? How do? You, is it good? In sense of a lot of people that we've spoken to as well, they don't like being labelled kind of a hero or it's so amazing how far you've come. Is it good to kind of surround yourself with people who maybe don't necessarily always want to doll out the the compliments uh, you know
2: absolutely I said to my I got your I got your preliminary kind of script yesterday not that this is mm-hmm. scripted but yeah you know, I didn't know I was going to say this or this yes. but you know um, I got your thing and I went through it and and I saw the bit where it said oh, and we're honoured to have Gareth Boleyn and I said to Kieran, I can't I got should I tell them to not put that in <laughs> And she was like, "No, just let them do their fucking thing." So I was like, "Oh, all right, okay." But it's still like, I mean, that it's really nice. That's really nice. But I'm not a person that thinks that needs that. I don't need. That. Yeah, yeah. But it's lovely. Yeah. Um, it's not. It's nice whenever there's whenever whenever there's good stuff. But yeah, I think it's really important to have people around you whenever these things happen. In terms of getting a break or career or anything that keep you grounded. And I think most comedians' close mates are often funnier than the comic themselves and can often put that comic in their place where maybe yeah. another comic might not, you know?
0: Yeah. That's really interesting, yeah. I'm really fascinated by the uh, stand-up circuit. I really am.
2: Are you trying to work your way in, Eves? Well, I don't know. Well, you're both, you're both very funny and any band is always good to, is... is is you know like comedy is just banter at the end of the day and if you're if you're comfortable around people or you've got mates you know just remember to write down the odd thing you say but you guys already (laughs) made me laugh in your intro so you're right you know
0: oh but i just don't i don't know gareth i don't think i've got the self-confidence to die on my ass like you know
2: (laughs) no but you know what like if if you've I, I, I don't know your your, your history your medical histories both of you. I kind of read a little bit around it, but uh, you know, I didn't overindulge. And um it's uh as as an industry, it's you could just cut like I know you feel like you don't have the confidence, but actually if you've ever had any pain in your life, you know that the minute that pain has gone gone. It's gone. Like you can't remember it. You might remember that you were on the floor screaming, but you can't remember in any way that pain. You don't get that discomfort back. So dying at a gig is the same thing. It's it's a bad shit on a bed. If dying at a gig. Do you know what I mean?
1: And we've definitely had those. That's what so. I mean. And I knew
2: you would relate to that. So more, you've done, more so you've than done that. your worst gig already, Evie.
0: Oh. That's amazing I love it thank you god and it was such a bad gig that time (laughs) I
1: don't even want to think about that
0: it must have been Amsterdam that was my worst gig
1: yeah fucking hell that was your worst gig wasn't it mate shit on the
0: bike yeah um so you did also sort of um mention mind earlier Mm. um what what is your connection to mind and your sort of um, a Link
2: with mental health. Oh, um, I don't, at the moment I'm not connected with mine directly, but you know, obviously, if I saw anything they were putting out or campaigns, I would tweet out, and you know, and I and I'm not at the moment connected directly with any mental health charity. I just I my direct experience of mental health, I suppose, a uh, couple of ways. One is my mum had a breakdown when I was about 16, nervous breakdown. in fact, my grandmother had heard, had a nervous breakdown and had electric shock treatment. Many years ago, oh we're going back to the 40s or whatever. My mum had a breakdown when I was about 16, and then I had a breakdown when I was about 30. Uh, and I tried to kill myself in the year 2000, which I'm uh, I've talked about in you know an Edinburgh show and stuff. And there, mm-hmm. There's a lot of laughs in it, um, unbelievably, but there's plenty. <laughs> um, and I and I suppose that has made me far more self aware of. Being aware of trying to keep yourself from sinking and from coping when you do sink, and how to cope. Um, because, you know, at the time when I went through uh, my stuff, I didn't really ask for help. And I'd had help before, I'd, I'd, I'd sunk low at points during um, sort of the early years of being ill. I, I had gone through low points, I'd had psychotherapy at points. But the suicide attempt was something where I pretended to everybody I was perfectly fine. So I've come back from that just with a heightened sense of awareness of, of um, looking after your mental health and supporting anyone that I meet or know who's struggling in the same way. So I got my, after I tried to kill myself, I got my little apostrophe which is supposed to be a, a tattoo that just an apostrophe signifies the end of something, but then a bit more to come. And so, I got one of those because I also thought if somebody is down and they know that little thing and what it means, you never know someone might reach out and just ask for some support.
0: Yeah. Um. So after sort of that, um, your sort of suicide attempt, how, what, what, what pushed you forward? What were, what were your, um you know, protecting factors?
2: Uh, I Well, I did have a lot of support. So, uh, I, you know, I, I'd told my family, took about two weeks after the suicide attempt before I told my family that had happened. And I didn't tell them till I got suicidal again, having felt like I'd recovered and got over it. Um, so getting them on board, uh, my mum then got me to see a psychologist she knew as an interim till I could see a psychotherapist. So I think it's a lot, you've got to do the work, and I think I put in the time, and I think I still consciously do, uh, and I've had to, you know, I got a bit of support, of the like before pandemic hit, I started getting some support again pre-feeling glow, just having an inkling, like I think I'm dealing with some stuff in the background. Um, so I just think being aware and making sure that you share, you have the right people you can talk to, whether that's professional, whether that's a good friend. And also really important, because I've had to watch this with, with people who've borrowed my ear and vice versa, it's really important to limit that time that you go over that issue with your mates. If you're going to talk to your mate about how hard or terrible your life is at the moment or what struggles you have, once you get past 50, there's a reason like a psychotherapy session is 50 minutes. Because once you get past 50 minutes in a one-on-one, I've got this issue situation, you're probably going to be going back around the houses of like, well, this is my answer. This is what I've told you to do. Just go and do this.
1: And Gareth, can you tell us a little bit about short gut syndrome? We haven't had the opportunity to interview anybody with this.
2: Condition. Sure um you're our first star <laughs> how can i jazz up well you, you get this lovely <laughs> snake skin intestine um oh ooh. yeah <laughs> uh, so basically because i'd had quite a lot of surgery uh, for crohn's disease and then i'm in, in my case um i ended up with something called a jejunostomy and if we're going to talk about shit that's shit in a bag um, yes okay and a jejunostomy, do you know what's mad about a jejunostomy is it's really at the start of the ileum right so so yeah, okay. it's before anything's turned chunky <laughs> do you know what I mean
1: <laughs> oh this that. is like a Marks and Spencers advert yeah it's, right. my ear,
2: like, it's not good and uh and I was I had a jejunostomy for about six months and and it it's really like that would have really stopped me having the life I have. I'm, I'm absolutely positive or it massively would have imping, infringed upon it. Um, I just had a really good surgeon, Professor John Northover, who was a legend. Um, yeah, big shout out. <laughs> <laughs> I've now got to stop myself doing a blap blap.
1: Um, <laughs> it's hard once it once you start feeling it coming yeah, out it's,
2: it's, you it's just hard. forget
1: who you are it, it. It <laughs>
2: um but he was he was really good he got me back into theater uh and he, and he they'd kind of been honest and said look we don't know you're fucked up basically <laughs> they were basically like look you're Lovely. you're fucked up you're gonna you're not gonna be able to eat you're gonna shit a lot and uh you're gonna need saline and you're you're not gonna have much going on Or we could take you back to theatre, but we don't know what we'd do if we do any of that or or whether it would help or whether, you know, and I just said... (laughs) Just
0: imagine you coming out with a boob job.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Honestly, I know anything is possible now. I know anything is possible. Um, And uh, I went to theatre and I woke up and I'd got rid of this bag, you know, which was great. I'd always dreamt of like, if I ever had one, I always wanted it to go and I'd got rid of it. Uh, But then I found this straw in my chest up here. I could just feel this straw in my chest. And uh, and that that turned out to be something I needed because I'd had so much intestine removed because they kept chopping a bit out, joining another bit, chop, chopping, that you now have something called short gut because essentially the area of of most of my ileum's gone. And the ileum does most of the absorbing... Of the liquid that's the, the food that's been turned into a liquid. Mm-hmm. So if I haven't got that now and I'm not absorbing that, I'm also not absorbing, I'm not absorbing that well enough. I'm also not absorbing the fluid that my body produces to digest that food. So now if I eat a meal and I produce fluid to digest that meal, I get rid of the meal, but I also don't reabsorb the half a pint of digestive fluid. So I've now got rid of a meal and some of my hydration. So now you could see that maybe every time I'm drinking and eating, weirdly, I'm actually dehydrating.
1: Wow. Oh my God. So That's if funny. I
2: don't connect to this fluid, I would just turn into an extra from The Walking Dead.
0: <laughs> Back to that puppy. Put that on your seat. Yeah. Yeah yeah to be fair yeah (laughs) um so how so how does it how does it work how do you do that do you have to do that whilst you're eating or before no so
2: so uh so fortunately i can still eat i'm about uh an intestinal failure proper proper authentic original brand name intestinal failure (laughs) right they are 50 centimeters and below but me i'm like i flirt
0: Oh, you're
2: like to yeah. I flirt with the intestinally alright, where I'm like 65 <laughs> centimeters of small bear. So I got I've got this little 15 centimeters of intestine that's trying to it's giving it a go. <laughs> you know, so I am absorbing some of the nutrition, but I still see and know like so I put on weight in pandemic like people would. But it, I mean, it, I haven't weighed what I weigh now ever and, and and i weigh just under 11 stone which for a man of my age and height is actually nothing bad at all my bmi is fine for me this feels like i'm overweight for me this is right. weird. you know i would like to knock off a stone or whatever um but so i hook up to this nutritional fluid every couple of nights and if i if i and more dehydrated if I was somewhere hot. If When I'm in Australia, visiting my family over there, my wife's Australian. Uh, In Australia, I'm on this fluid every day because obviously I'm sweating more, I'm dehydrating more. I could choose if I wanted to, to not drink and not eat and just do the fluid. And actually I might even in some ways be healthier, but psychologically I fucking wanna eat. Yeah, you ought to taste something, and I eat like, something. I had, I had, and you have to understand as well. I was, as a kid, I was a fussy eater, and when I went through the period of having uh, the TPN, the, the the Hickman line in my chest, it's called total parenteral nutrition. When I started on that initially, I was rationed half a glass of water a day, and I couldn't eat or drink at all, and I did that for six months. And, six months yeah and that's what drove me to suicide um yeah. for understandable yeah. reasons I think
0: yeah
2: yeah
1: because um, yeah. also eating is social it's social as well I imagine you know you want to sit and have dinner with your wife and yeah. do all these like that yeah. it's Experience a part of joy. being human yeah.
2: yeah 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 so uh during that time I watched a lot of food programs so now food <laughs> is really important to me and and I really enjoy so I'm always gonna. I'm not gonna give up for the moment on just you know, have that. Yeah, I think
0: that's
1: I completely think... understandable. What's your food program that kind of gives you? Oh yeah, what,
2: what's the one that really gets me?
1: Yeah, yes. yeah. What's what? <laughs> what is it? I
2: don't know. No, anything. I don't know. I mean, I definitely. I I um, I, I ha- haven't had any of the meals cooked, but I think there's a cooking with cannabis show that looks fantastic.
0: <laughs>
2: I not on Netflix. It that looks amazing and they make amazing looking meals and it may yeah just amazing but um i anything at the moment honestly i've only got a watch like i mean my one of my things i say about when i when i tried to kill myself is that six month period when i was getting depressed i was smoking a lot of cannabis and i was watching these cookery programs and so it was like i was torturing myself with the munchies and I could have salivated to death. I could have drowned through how much I felt like because I was just tortured. I just watched food, food, food. So now, like that idea of food porn, like that yeah. MS advert. Whoa, yeah. that's legit. Yeah. That is legit, yeah.
1: Yeah. big time. A big oh, time
2: I'm a a bit. <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we're all a bit. Yeah, no, I'm feel fine. <laughs> Make a moment,
0: I haven't <laughs> had lunch yet, guys. I don't know how <laughs> how <it's laughs> just feel it's 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 funny as so well. I think. A lot of the conversations that we've had with people who have, you know, bowel and bladder issues, if you sometimes you can just feel like you are, um you're being limited and restricted, and it's that feeling of when you think you're being restricted, you just want it so badly. Yeah, well, it
2: was funny you were talking uh, before about sort of carrying on, still having stuff you know is bad for you, and it's like, oh my God. I think most most people that are dealing with. Bow, bum, whatever issues that are stomach related or food related, yeah. Uh, you know, unless you're the most disciplined person, a little bit of of what you fancy does you good, and a little bit of naughty is is pretty good. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? And so, like, I remember, I remember having um years ago a nasogastric tube down my throat, and it was like uh, up my nose and down my throat, and you and the idea was to rest my bowel. And I remember still like. You'd suck a sweet because in your own brain, like, well, if I suck it and dissolve it and then swallow like a tiny little thing, that's not really eating. That's not really, you know, because just it's something that's so that so makes us normalizing, I guess.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, digestion, it just does start in your mouth. So even if you're getting nutrients on a drip or whatever, it's not the same as enjoying a meal. No,
2: and all three of us, even talking about food, are yes. are, are, are like...
0: Yeah, our mouths.
1: Everybody <laughs> needs some alone time yeah, with yeah. a place.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I something. just need a, a, a hamper and a locked door. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I just want to apologise to all the listeners if you can hear three very wet <laughs> celebrating salivating <laughs> mouths. Oh,
1: it's the worst sound, isn't it? Isn't oh, it? God. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that. sounds about that.
0: Sounds about that. <laughs> um, so I also just wanted to talk about your more positive experiences. What in your career, or otherwise just in your general life, what has been amazing or fantastic or has just really, really helped get you through? Ah,
2: uh, uh, Well, you know, cliche, my wife. Um, yeah, that's, that's, nice. that's obviously number one on the list. Um, and she's not the kind of wife that it needs to be number one on the list in case she listens and goes, right, good, you made be number one. Like, I can just put her on the list. I don't feel forced to. Because uh, she's good. pretty fucking cool. Um, yeah. and uh, And it took me a long time to find her, um, like 40 years. But... Um,
1: and how long have you been married?
2: Oh, like, no time. We've been married late. Like, uh, we've been married eight, eight years, nine years together. But, I mean, I found her late. I, I was just coming up to 40 when we met. Um, she's about nine years younger than me. Um, what the, the high points, without doubt, are just comedy and, and my career in that and gigs and the feeling of, of having made a room full of people joyous and happy and fun. Um, family I mean I'm, I'm a walking cliche of like what are the high points you know I mean the high points are just I, I did a thing you know I'm here that's it like I did a yeah. I did um, I did a show at Edinburgh a couple of years ago that was called I paid for 50 minutes of your time
0: because right? <laughs>
2: that's just the truth and in that show I talked about you know success is like something we're constantly told to reach for but we never attain because like, even when, you know, if if Corey has been my biggest break perhaps so far, Um I didn't, no one went well done, full stop. Everyone went, what are you doing next? Are they keeping you? Have you got a full-time contract? Like, so no one's ever satisfied. So I, in that show, I kind of said, if you want to feel successful and satisfied, lower the bar. <laughs> So if,
1: God, I need yeah. to hear that right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's
2: good so to know. If you lower the bar and the bar is, am I breathing? Yeah, you're a fucking success. Yeah. So so for me, I feel pretty successful. And, and the things that make me happy are being here, largely. Whether that's a good or a bad day. Um, but yeah, it's just definitely feeling comfortable, you know, being in a good place where I'm at. I mean, I think I'm really lucky at the moment, other than work, you know, and... F- you know the the money hasn't we haven't panicked yet you know i'm sure it could be around the corner cuz it always can but that's far treading water and i know that you know i'm i'm in bloody england where even if our nhs is swamped we have a fucking nhs yeah yeah you know yeah. so i don't know i'm 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 largely all right
1: no i think i think it's so relatable as well that sometimes we just we just get ahead of ourselves especially i think in in this modern day where everyone's constantly comparing because we can see physical pictures of what everybody else is doing. And I actually, I got myself a tattoo after I was really poorly for the similar reason what you said that you wanted to see something on your body to remind you that that you were okay. And that And I wanted something on me as a reminder to myself that I knew that when I started to feel better... I would stop appreciating all the little things that felt so amazing when I managed to have them back, like going for coffee with friends or being able to, you know, get on a tube for twenty minutes. It's all these things that you miss, and that you know, as soon as you get back into like the like the, I don't know, the nine to five, you you're get? gonna forget. Pardon. What did you get? I got. A, I've got. It's from the Edinburgh Fringe. My get it out! Get world. it out! Get it! Well, it's on my breast, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get it out! Get I'll send it. you a picture. Um, it, it was from we went to the the Edinburgh Fringe when I was still really poorly, and we went to go see this guy. He was a one man band, and he was just fucking brilliant. He had like tambourines on his slippers, and he baked cookies in the show, like classic Fringe yeah. shit that you just don't even know what's going on, but it's just magical. And he bought out these origami birds. Um, that he said were called trouble birds and he asked everyone to close your eyes he said I want you to think of something that's causing you pain and when you're ready open your eyes and so when we opened our eyes he threw it into the air and it burst into flame and it just like I don't know when I started to get better I thought that moment for me was such a moment of like let go of anything that is making you feel like shit unnecessarily. so I, I got a little tattoo and I never talk about it do I Evie I keep it keep it to myself. You never
0: mention your origami bird tattoo. There's a bit of a
1: running joke with our friends <laughs> that I like to get my breast out when I'm drunk and show everybody my meaningful tattoo. Fair enough. I, so there you go, I, nice.
2: I have. Okay, so I have, in terms of embarrassing tattoos. Yay! Um, I'll share this one, which is annoying because for anyone listening to this podcast, it is uh, a visual, it's a visual gag. So uh, you either have to use your imagination or, or check out the Zoom. If there's a bit of it. I am. Um, so I was over in Perth, uh, Western Australia, um, doing some gigs. And Kieran and my wife was back in Sydney. And um, I often, like, I've only got a tattoo here in the UK once, right at the start of getting tattoos. Actually, when I was having a bit of a breakdown and I got this one particular tattoo to protect me. And then since then, whenever I got to Australia, because I never thought, A, I'd be alive to go, or B, I would make it that far with TPN and my nutritional stuff, I would get a tattoo done because it kind of felt I can justify the expense because you're on holiday. Whereas getting it done here just feels like, fruit. Like, how could I afford to spend like 200 quid on a tattoo here? If I'm on holiday, yeah, tattoo.
1: Don't count. It doesn't count.
2: And um, so I was in Perth and I was like, I want to get a tattoo. And and Kieran had said, whatever you do, don't get my name. And Kiruna is named after the northernmost town in Sweden, right? Yeah, um, when her parents saw the northern lights there. Um, so it's a beautiful Aww. story, right? Beautiful. And we actually went there on our honeymoon, um, and took a train from Stockholm to Kiruna in the north—an overnight train. Just beautiful honeymoon. Uh, we never saw the northern lights, but it was just amazing time in her hometown. So I decided to get this tattoo in Perth, and I'm like, what can I get done? And the first idea I have, genuinely, was to get the coordinates of the town of Kirin there in Sweden tattooed on my arm, right, which is lovely.
1: That is lovely. But then
2: I remember I'm Jewish and tattoos and numbers generally don't go down well (laughs) with my (laughs) people, right? So obviously I can't do that, right? So I come (laughs) up with this idea and I tell the tattooist because I think it's genius. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a map of Sweden tattooed on my arm Get him to draw on the little dot for Stockholm, the train track up to Kirina in the north, and to mark Kirina with a heart. Right? Oh, Good. Great.
1: Nice. Perfect. Yeah, I'm I'm Perfect. sold.
2: I'm sold. Yeah. So I got it done and um and that that's what okay. it looks like. Right? And that's not okay. even at its worst. That's what it looks like if I bend my arm. <laughs> and if you can't see You can't see this if you're listening to it but I'm going to take a picture it, it looks like a penis And, um, <laughs> and it, there's a little island Off the coast of, of the end of the tattoo That's supposed to be An island off the coast of Sweden But it looks like a little bit of jizz popped out
0: <laughs> Yeah, the island of
2: jizz <laughs> yeah, It's a little island of jizz there And the train, the, track, the train track which is there Now looks like the veins
1: Oh my god It Oh god and um, what does Kieran think
2: of Well, this? she thought it was a lovely gesture. Um, <laughs> Good try. She knew I meant well. It was just really weird because I I took I was like really pre- I got it done, and he's doing it, and obviously I'm looking at it from a different angle. So I'm just like it's lovely map of Sweden. It makes Perfect. sense. It's beautiful. Um, f- and then and then when I I went for a walk, is so just before I'm gigging at the club, and I go for a walk. And I decided to video it for Kirina to send her the video. And I took the video and then I'm looking, before I send it, I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, it looks like a cock. So, <laughs> so I send it to Kirina, with like, babe, can I, what, what do you think of the tattoo that I've got? Got this for you. <laughs> yeah, this is our story, you know, this is your story, our story. What do you think? And initially she's just like, I'm, I think if you wanted to get a tattoo, then, you know, that, that's good. good you that's know, nice. kind of like that. It's kind of awkward. And I just went, babe, do you think it looks a bit like a cock? <laughs> and then she started laughing. Um, what What was oh great is, is comedy does force you often, you know, most comedians will tell you like bad things that ha- the, the one advantage if you're a comic is bad things that happen. You go, well, this is all for, but this will be an Edinburgh show in five years or whatever. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah. So,
0: Claudia and I have said that so many times. Every time we've had a terrible incident, every time we shat ourselves. Yeah. Off, basically, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's been like it's it's just all material, isn't it? Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I I I literally half an hour within half an hour I was on stage at the gig, telling them the story, <laughs> and and finding where the laughs were just in the honesty of the story. And so immediately it was like, oh, well, at least I've got five minutes out of it, you know?
0: That is joyous. That is, I just love the idea of, i got this uh, cock
2: yeah. to represent our love. Well. I really am well. And it's also, I also just find it funny because the whole thing was like, don't get my name because that would be tacky. And instead, you know, <laughs> I've gone around the world showing people the cock on my arm.
1: Please get a giant yeah. dick oh, on the, your the
2: arm. The other nice thing, though, the other nice thing about it is there's a lovely little callback where I'm talking about something romantic to the audience. And I say, and by then I've been getting on well with them, hopefully, and I say, you know, and you guys know me, I wear my heart and my cock on my sleeve.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's the title of this.
2: Yeah, episode. yeah, yeah, it <laughs>
0: <be>. <laughs> and And also, uh, just before we um, before we finish, um we were right in thinking that your wife is um, the pirate, to your parrot.
2: uh yes, yeah, is. yeah, yeah, yeah. She is, <laughs> she is the pirate. She's the world's smallest pirate because my my wife has dwarfism, and um, she's an actress, very good, a very good actress, successful one, and she uh, plays the world's smallest pirate, and I play the world's largest parrot. Um. And I can't. I, it came to us a few years ago. I think it came to me as an idea because we were talking about developing a play with um, some really lovely ladies at a theatre company called Red Earth Theatre. Oh,
0: yeah.
2: And um, And that's kind of how Pirate and Parrot was born in development with them and the Arts Council. And we did a little tour of it, did really well. And we always wanted to do more of it. And then during the pandemic, I'm finding out that this is a significant number for a lot of couples who did the pandemic together. By week nine, um, I was possibly going to kill my wife. So <laughs> I thought, do you know what? I think if you kill her, it won't end well. Potentially. So, not, no. Um, maybe you should come up with that. And I just remembered that we'd, done, we, we'd always said we'd go back to Pirate and Parrot. And so just for something to kind of invest our creativity and all of this energy that wasn't going anywhere and was just turning yeah. into like kind of anger and resentment. <laughs> just,
1: just kind of angry show dancing. Yeah, each yeah, other, yeah. Like, Let's just it. turn
2: it into something theatrical and wear bright colours yeah. and be a bit happy about it. And okay. so we made Pirate and Parrot in lockdown and shot about eight episodes, I think there are online on YouTube at the moment. And we're currently waiting because we have taken it further and assembled a team and we've made a a big application to the BFI who are currently kind of doing a young content, uh, fun. So we would like to pitch it to, uh, it, it has to be a terrestrial channel, like channel five, but we would like to pitch it. And at nine weeks, they were like, we actually need to have a break. So that we don't hate each other.
0: So, it, so we've already spoken about how you might find um, uh, your amazing parrot and pirate. Um, what, what, what else? Where, where else can people find you?
2: Uh, I'm on Twitter at Gareth Belina and Instagram at Gareth Belina. You'll find there's a theme in where you can find me and and what name I present myself under. Um, yeah. <laughs> website, ironically, Gareth That's dot I'm not that original <laughs> when it comes to naming websites or Instagram accounts. <laughs> I you think know. it's
1: helpful for people to find you if you stick to your name, if you start calling yourself funny. So. If it all else fails. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, thank you so much for talking to us today. And and everything that um, we've mentioned, we'll um, link in the episode description so you can learn or read more. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for giving us your thank time you, today. It's been such no a great problem. conversation. And I do feel a lot better, actually, just in my general mood.
1: I feel better and more hungry. Is how I feel. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, I
0: forgot about yeah. Well, even at lunch, Claudia, it's four p.m.
1: I know, I know. It's because I wasn't feeling very well, and now I feel better and a bit hungry, bit horny. I don't know. I feel we've very done, confused. We've, we've really
2: worked our way through food porn. Like I, <laughs> really? I, I literally Seriously? at the moment in my head, I'm imagining the inside of an M and S. And oh Ryan, I'm just walking around an MS now in my head.
1: Oh, and the yeah. music's like... Actually, that's not very sexy. It? I don't really? know, maybe that's maybe like, it's more music. like Rihanna. I don't think oh, no, I would take anything right now. <laughs> Jesus. But thank oh, you, Gareth. No, no,
2: worries. no worries. I've talked less about shit than I thought I would.
1: <laughs> if you want to more, <laughs> See, if, I mean, if there's anything that you haven't I, laid I, out, I please. Had,
2: I, 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 had, I have plenty of poo, but no, I don't mind not talking about it either. It's fine. I'll tell you what, I will I tell you, I have plenty of poo. That's a great quote. Congratulations. I have plenty of poo, Gareth Belina. Um, I, I will say that this was a really nice positive as as someone who has experience of dealing with poo-related issues. Uh, one of the things that, that most people who have a bowel condition or anything and end up in the hospital can get a bit wound up by, or I can, or I have, is you know, every day when you're in hospital, they come up to you, up to your bedside, and the nurse or the doctor, whoever it is, will be like, and have you had your bowels open today? Yes, I've had my bowels open today. Where where would you say, like, was it, you know, how was it, you know, very can you describe it? Was it on a scale, you know, and they and there's this whole scale thing and everything, it's horrible. And, and you have to do it a lot with people you've just met or someone you've just been having a great chat with and then suddenly they ask you, like, have you had your bowels open? Now, number one, I often say, yes, blah, blah, blah. And then I go, and you? Like, okay. <laughs> because it's humanising. And, and because those that have a sense of humour should realise it's humanising and I should at least share back. So the cool sure. ones will go, yeah, oh, you know, a bit nutty or whatever right? <laughs> those are the cool ones but my, <laughs> my favorite I'd say perhaps one of my favorite gigs so far ever was um, my doctor one of my doctors Kate Kane at, at the Birmingham Queen Elizabeth let me um, she she booked me to do her grand round which is when she speaks to all the doctors and nurses in the team or whatever about some subject she wants to talk about that they can study or whatever and she gave it all to me. So I got to do a, talk to them about having intestinal failure and blah, blah. But I also made sure I asked that audience, right, could you do me a favor? Could you turn to the person on your left or the person on your right, ask them if they've had their bowels open today and tell them if you have, or even make it up if you haven't, <laughs> and, and it? Just to see a room of doctors it. have that same awkward feeling. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yes.
1: The world's smelliest it's like a
0: sh- breaker. A little chef's I kiss it. there. <laughs> love that <laughs> Oh wonderful. Thank you so much. No worries. Pleasure. Stop what you're doing, let's talk about pooing. So this is the part of the show where we read out one of your toilet tales, or perhaps we're going to play one of your voice notes on a scandal. Uh what do we have this week, Claudia? So we have a toilet tale
1: sent in to us via the gram. Um, And it says, I was at a Zoom meeting actually talking about bowel incontinence with a lot of professionals and I got that feeling that I needed to go. I have my two children sat at the table with me. I could either ignore it and have an accident and deal with it later and run the risk of my children announcing it or make a dash. Whilst I was sat panicking, it happened. Oh, no. <laughs> and I just had to leave the meeting randomly.
0: Oh, no. Fantastic. And I mean, talking about bowel incontinence, do you think psychologically that spurred it on? I, well, it's like if you're not allowed to go for a wee
1: and then suddenly people start talking about, you know, trickling rivers and, you know
0: glasses oh, being. You're making poured. me feel like I need a wee now. Well there you go. Can you imagine
1: needing a poo and somebody talking about bowel incontinence? So it, it's kind of almost like, you know, there's that sound that they say that is, if it's a certain um pitch, it will just make you shoot yourself. Really? No. Yeah, there's like there, there's like a gong <laughs> and it and it is the perfect like vibration and pitch that anybody hearing it Will shit
0: themselves. (laughs) That is, That that simply has to be bollocks. I can't believe that. Any single person listening to that will instantly shit themselves. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, I have it
1: on Absolute Fact. It was on a David Attenborough or or Louis Theroux or, you know, somebody with a lot of... um,
0: Louis Theroux? Did the (laughs) documentary spoke about a gong that made people shit themselves? He would cover that. He would. He could. He'd want to know the facts. I think that's more likely to be David Attenborough, but even then, he barely touches on humans. Either one of them. Let's find out, please, boys. Well, if you know about the pitch or the gong that can make any human listening shit themselves, please please do email us in on the gmail.
1: But what I what my point is, is that, like, is this the same with people talking about bowel incontinence? Is that, you know, you talk too much about it, you are going to need a poo.
0: Well, the thing is, that's happened to us so many times. We've had so guests coming times. on. We started talking about it. We've both had last-minute poos before we've started recording.
1: Oh, God, it's been awful. I mean, I think mm. it was when Lottie Drynan was on, you had to
0: chat to her for a little bit on the Zoom because I was upstairs on the toilet. She, she logged on. I think we were at my house. She logged on and then she was like, oh, where's Claudia? And I was like, well, look, babe, she's in the toilet and she's been there for uh, a while. Uh, uh.
1: She's feeling a bit nervous. You've got a lot of followers on Instagram.
0: <laughs> um, please do keep your voice notes on a scandal or your toilet tails coming in thick and fast. They're um, fabulous. Um, yeah. We're sorry that, that your Zoom call was ruined.
1: But, you know, yeah, I mean, well especially done.
0: with kids present, but you've, you've nailed it. Can you get in trouble for pooing in front of your kids? I hope not. I think if it's your children,
1: that's Uh, okay. I mean, you probably pooed in front of them from the moment they came out of you. Probably pooed on them. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much to our guest, Gareth Berliner. You were absolutely fabulous and had us in stitches, whilst also feeling a little bit aroused. Am I wrong there, Evie?
0: Aroused? Did you not feel aroused by the food porn talk? Oh, Christ, yeah, sorry, that. God, I don't know, I don't know. (laughs) For some reason, I just, my head went to the parrot. I was like being aroused <laughs> by the parrot um no, you was... know what
1: those fluffy birds do to me
0: <laughs> um yeah no i was aroused by the food porn and you know if you've got any food porn of your own we do like to see it so send that in as well send in whatever you want to be honest we're not fussy you can email us uh on the podcast official dot com or dm us on the Graham or twitter is that everything claudia yeah that 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 the, those things can be
1: found at and the unders-
0: <laughs> let this end. <laughs> What's our socials? Uh, at the underscore podcast. Thank you, that's what
1: I meant to say. I'm going to go to bed now.
0: Oh, right, so that, that was it. That's actually me doing it, just saying it like that. <laughs> <laughs> at the underscore podcast. whatever. <laughs> Goodbye. Ah. I'm going to stop my recording now. <laughs> Are
1: you actually? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> well, let me at least say bye. Bye.
0: Bye piano mm-hmm. plays